Thank you for tuning in to Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Let the show begin. Hey, G Dog, thank you so much for freeing up some time to record a podcast for Z Code. It's exactly a year since we last spoke, and a lot has changed in terms of sports since then. How are you doing, and how's your sports investing going lately? Um, pretty much every day. I mean, a lot of games every day. There's currently uh, college basketball, hockey. Uh, spring training, Major League Baseball, NBA right now, so it's pretty busy. So you're pretty much across the board in terms of sports betting. You you bet on any of, of the competitions, right, uh, in the U.S.? Yeah, for the most part. I'm about ready to give up hockey, though. <laughs> How come? Because <laughs> I've just been break-even and maybe lost a half a unit since the beginning of the season, and I just can't seem to crack it for some reason. Yeah, you know, sometimes less is better. <laughs> yeah. I read about your insane growth on the Z Code world the other day, recently stating that you've raised your unit size to $1,000 from mere 50 to $100 back when you started with Z Code. In January, you've hit over $14,000 of profit from $250 unit size, then averaging $500 unit size bets with February returning $60,810 for you. You're now on the previously mentioned $1,000 unit size, making as much as, on a good day, $20,000. And of course, not every day is a winning day. However, what would you consider to be the main factor for your success? Well, the one thing is just scaling up the ability to trust the numbers and just scale up. I mean, if you start with 50 or 100 or 500 or a thousand and the numbers still work the same it just matters just kind of like i used to be a day trader in your position size you know i might start out with 100 shares and then i work up to 500 and then i'm doing a thousand or whatever the case might be it's just same formula you just increase your your unit size mm -hmm. and as a day trader did you work for a major firm or were you um, an independent no i did it by myself for a while but it got to be too stressful <laughs> Um, all right. So you've gone a long way where you used to hit approximately 50 units. Um, I believe last year, or roughly around this time we spoke, uh, your system ha has improved dramatically. What did you change exactly? I didn't really change much, actually, as um, my numbers last year for college basketball up until the coronavirus were pretty consistent. I was hitting 56, 57% and was just able to pick it up again this year. Mm. It's surprising because, um, you know, coronavirus, it, it feels like a lot has changed in terms of sports betting and in terms of, well, actually not so much uh, sports betting, but more the, the playing field is sort of completely different, you know, lack of supporters yes. on the field. Um, yeah, it's, it's completely different. How come... Do you feel like the matches are more predictable now? or I think they just end up being a lot of the same from the years past. I mean, last season I was hitting around 56 57% in NBA and well as uh, college. And I thought it would make a big difference with not having the fans and stuff. But when you have the talent, the talent of the players ends up coming through at the end. Yeah, it's really surprising. You'd expect the, the home field teams to sort of level in terms of the advantage because the, the supporters are not there. So, um, you know, in matches where 
may have been like 60 to 40 percent advantage for the home team more yeah. now it's kind of like 50 50 isn't it yeah pretty much i mean there's still some things when you think about like nba or you know hockey the professionals and stuff they still have to travel and they still have to sometimes they'll play back-to-back nights they're away from home or whatever they a lot of them live in the cities that they play in as their home court and they're able to just sleep in their own bed wake up do a routine whereas they're got to be on the road they're still in hotels they're still doing different types of things that can wear them out a little bit more so there's definitely an advantage for being home court even though the fans aren't present there's definitely advantages to being the home team yeah and as far as the 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 bubble goes for nba did you make any bets at that time as well well it's funny you ask because i pretty much gave up last season i was like trying so many different things i was very discouraged after all this major sports got canceled i mean i was trying to do esports and i was trying to do soccer and i was trying to figure out afl and nrl and rugby or whatever the case is just whatever i could possibly find to make something work mm-hmm. well then baseball started up and my formulas my tactics how i normally come to pick sides wasn't working for me and no matter what i did i couldn't seem to figure it out and then basketball started and my formulas weren't working for basketball either for pro basketball and i just got very frustrated so i kind of quit altogether for a few months okay and uh so i'm guessing you were not betting on any of these like uh <laughs> weird weird stuff and that was available at the time ping yeah we were tennis. dabbling like a ping pong for a minute and then i realized how much of a scam it was and then i just kind of quit doing that and i was i'm on twitter also and there's everybody who's bragging about how they're killing these ping pong matches and stuff and you'd see some old russian guy in the middle of the night playing pong with a you know beer stained t-shirt or whatever and i'm like totally rigged matches in my opinion but so i wanted no part of that and just kind of gave up on it altogether. i guess the break did me good i guess (laughs) (laughs) so um on the presumption that you have gone professional a quite long time ago uh, is betting your everyday job or do you have a a separate job that you do on top of betting as well well last march i actually had gotten laid off from my job and then i ended up relocating from san diego to dallas back at the end of august i was had my own solar business was doing that but then once football season started i ended up just betting again on the side Mm-hmm. And then I was increasing the size of my bets and I was doing really well. And I just got to a point to where after the new year started, I just went full time betting on sports. So how do you manage the time in terms of sports betting? Do you, is it do you treat it as a nine to five job or do you have like, you know, you, you wake up whenever the, the game start and you stay up late as well? I do stay up late. Um pretty much I break it down into time frames. So if there's a bunch of games that start, let's say at four o'clock, my time, local time, then I'll, you know, let's say there's five or 10 games. So I'll work on those five or 10 games starting probably about 30 to 45 minutes before tip off. And then the next group of games might be at either five o'clock or maybe six o'clock. So I kind of work it in time frames. Saturdays are extremely busy. It starts at like 11 in the morning 
goes all the way to like eight o'clock at night. The last game, sometimes on the West coast games, you get them even starting at 10 or 11 o'clock. So that's 12 hour day almost. So yeah, quite different busy times on, on Friday, Saturday when it's college basketball season in full swing. So it gets pretty busy, but yeah, for the most part, I would say with college basketball going probably about one or two in the afternoon until probably eight to nine o'clock at night. So it's almost yeah, the full-time thing. I mean, eight hours, seven, eight hours doing it. <laughs> so do, do you bet on any, do you dabble with any uh, European sports as well or well, European sports, <laughs> European leagues? Nah, we can gave say. up, uh, gave up on soccer. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the, risk particular re- the risk. Yeah. The risk reward wasn't there for me. I mean, I was doing the, uh, unders and stuff the system that i had and it still works but when i'm looking at you know hitting 65 percent and i'm only making x amount of units if i hit 65 percent at minus 110 or even minus 105 then i'm doing way better and it's a much better return on my investment and then with the sides and the total i mean there's so many different ways to bet soccer obviously and it just you know as much as i tried to figure it out and wanted to make it work i just got frustrated because of a lot of ties or a lot of upsets and just things like that and i didn't know enough about the teams or the sport enough to really kind of hone in on it hmm. so i just went back to my bread and butter which is the united the us sports okay so as far as the analysis goes do you consider sort of news media type of stuff as um, useful information or you do you rely solely sort of on your numbers that you have uh, on your spreadsheets and so on well i always look at line movement then i also look at the injury report and i'm able to see who's going to be there or not you know then obviously if a key player is out then it's usually baked into the line so then I'll skip that game sometimes because I know my numbers when I run them aren't going to be correct because it's based on a fully healthy squad. So, you know, sometimes there's so many different games that you have the luxury of being able to skip ones here and there. Mm. So I feel like the the longer you've been betting, you've been scaling down more and more rather than scaling upwards because people uh, would consider, you know, w- once your bankroll grows, you feel like you have the more you have more freedom for betting on different sports and then then taking some bets from the wall and so on but you you're very much sort of scaling down on the on the variety yeah i mean like baseball season's coming up which is exciting i mean you have the tournament coming here starting wednesday there's games with the nit which is the you have the march madness and then you have the lower nit tournament which is the teams that didn't make it to the march madness tournament so basically from now until I think April 5th is a championship game for the for college basketball. So for the next couple of weeks, it's going to be not as busy as it was regular season, but it'll have steady action every day. And then you have the NBA is still in full swing. So between that and then Major League Baseball starting up on April 1st and spring training going on right now, there's probably a good 12 to 15 games a day from baseball, probably at least 10 games a day on average in the NBA. And then you're going to have eight to 10 games a day from college going forward here. So plenty of action for the next couple of weeks for sure. So there has been quite, well, not a lot, but two rules changed for MLB recently. And they're very interesting. 
and I'll read them out to you. The top, the double headers will be played as two seven-inning games, and also a runner will be placed on second base at the start of every half inning of a game that goes into extra innings. Do you feel like what's the what's the analysis behind these rule changes? Why do they do that exactly? And how do you feel like it will change your analysis? If um, are you going to revolve any system around it as well? Well, they started doing that last season, actually. So they had the abbreviated season last year, and they actually implemented those. So it's already been there. So it's kind of already been proven a bit. The reason they did that is just because it's very challenging for somebody to go out and play 18 innings of baseball. I mean, if you have the two double headers, and then let's say they go into extra innings in the first game or whatever, next thing you know, you're paying, playing 12, 13, 14 innings, mm. and then you got to wait. 30 minutes or 45 minutes and then play another nine inning game. So it just got to be super lengthy, I think. And they just decided to speed that up a little bit. So by making it two seven inning games, then there's a kind of a finality to it. And then the extra innings by putting somebody on second base, it really gives that team the ability to kind of, you already have that runner in scoring position to kind of speed up the game as well. So it does make it a little more challenging when you get into late innings, obviously, when you're picking sides from pregame, but mm-hmm. you know, just kind of working around it. It's kind of like hockey when they started doing the overtime and then they did the shootouts and things like that. The The rules change, but eventually you figure it out and overcome. So how do you feel about the Dodgers then? <laughs> Dodgers are <laughs> we on the my topic? favorite. Dodgers are my absolute favorite team. I've been a fan for as long as I can remember. Mm. So do you watch the matches that you put money on, or do you uh, just... I would say them? 98% of the time, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. I just treat it like more like a business, because otherwise you get too emotional, you get caught up in listening to the games or watching the games, and gets you very frustrated. You watch the bad beats, you know, then I'll go through my my bets, and then I'll score them all or whatever and then i'll maybe catch sports center later that night and i'll see like a bad beat or something or i'm like okay well that's why i lost that game you know I, otherwise i'm not watching it live or anything so you just mentioned a very important word and it's funny because it ties onto my next question which is at what stage do you start treating betting as a business what changes in your mindset and also approach towards betting well i know a lot of the professionals out there and that are in Vegas or other places, for the most part, they try to take the emotion out of it. And that's one of the biggest things, too, being like a day trader, trading stocks or whatever. You have to do your absolute best to pull the emotion out of it. Just in general, humans are very emotional, obviously. So then you get yourself wound up and you end up, if I'm watching the games and something loses or something's not going my way, then I might throw more money at it or I might double down more on it or whatever. So I try to eliminate those elements as much as I can mm. and so, just be, you know, Hey, I pushed all these bets pregame. How'd they do? And at the end of the day, I just go through and go like, oh, okay, these guys covered this one didn't cover this one missed by a half point. This one won by a half point. This one didn't make it, whatever the case is. So I'm doing so much volume and, it's just would be difficult to keep up with everything as well. So, <laughs> so for a person who 
bets as much as you do. And I'm not talking about the volume. I'm talking about the amount, especially yeah. in the last month or so. Uh, you need to make sure you don't get limited by the bookmakers. And you sort of have to play your cards right. So how do you avoid the red card from a bookmaker in, in terms of like, you know, the, the sheer amount of money you put? Do you have multiple bookmakers where you spread your amounts or? Yeah, I have a local and then I probably have like four offshore accounts. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I just kind of mix them up a little bit. What are the offshore accounts, so the bookmakers that you use in specific? Um, I've used Her- I have Heritage, um, Bet Online, and Uwager. And I can't remember the other ones I have. I have I'd tried some other ones and I've tried other ones before. I have accounts probably with like 10 of them, but I don't actively keep a bunch of them going mm. so i mean we've talked about this a little bit but uh you've maybe you can elaborate a bit more so how did you change your approach towards sports betting when coronavirus hit and you said you you actually stopped betting on some but did you continue on any sort of sports and you found some edge or extra edge somewhere else well it's kind of I was utilizing Z code tools to try to figure out some other sports I could bet on to be able to maintain things going forward. But, you know, it would work for a while and then something would change or whatever. Then you'd have a lot of these games as the coronavirus last year, Z code did an excellent job of adding more contests but then you also start to see, you know, like Nicaragua's played on like a high school grass field out in the middle of nowhere, you know, different things like that. And then they got mad and they walk off the field or you'd have, you know, something in Belarus or whatever. And they're scamming people by fixing matches and things like that. So it just got to where, OK, the indicators that are on the tool on the on Z code, you know, say that this and this and this should happen. And, and it did for a while while I was tracking it. But then it would fall off the rails and I'd try to figure out why it fell off the rails. And then I realized like these lower leagues are a bunch of scams most of the time. And some of the professionals I had dealt with or people I had talked to with industry experience and stuff, because we don't even turn those leagues on because they're so shady. Some of the Asian leagues, some of the other things like that. So yeah, I did dabble in some Korean baseball for a while. I read up on some Taiwanese baseball, realized a lot of that was fixed because it's run by mafia people and influenced by mafia. You have Colombia soccer leagues influenced by drug cartels in Mexico. And, you know, just got to a point to where they're not legitimate sport leagues. They're there and they're national. But, I mean, unless you're in, like, the the Premier League over in Europe and you have Bundesliga or these other professional leagues, then you're really kind of – putting more at risk than the the average competition or the average contest, I should say. There's not as much integrity in sports in these lower leagues, which I found out the hard way, but that's why I just kind of got frustrated at a point and quit altogether for a couple months. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move away from this depressing topic. (laughs) So let's move to the... Let's move on to the college basketball. This season is very interesting. And what are some of your observations? Are Gonzaga on their way to win the league? Or do you feel like they do have some competition? I think, I mean, obviously Gonzaga is the favorite. 
you know, they're 32 and 0 and they're going into the tournament. They were undefeated last year and unfortunately the tournament was canceled, but this year they have a chance to play it out. Um, you know, Baylor's been really good. You also have um, some other teams like Arkansas that can perhaps go a ways, a couple other teams as well to keep an eye on. That's why I love this time of year with this the tournament because there's just so many good teams to be able to play that might not have ever played before. And it's a winner take all. It's a one and done type of competition. And at the end, you truly get the four best teams and the two best teams playing for a championship. It always reminds me of the Miami Heat when they were on the streak about six years ago, I think it was. And they won multiple games in a row. And um, I think they were facing Lakers uh, in one of the matches. And they, 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 they looked like the favorites, but the bookmaker gave a bit of edge for the opposite team. You know, it wasn't like you bet $1,000 and you get a tenner back. It was more of a... You know, yeah. um, you get around four hundred dollars. So, I always feel like you know when a team like Gonzaga, they're so way ahead in terms of you know they haven't lost a single match uh, this season. Do you feel like it's a good time to start a progression from the, for them to lose, or is that too risky? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is that they're always big double-digit favorites in the spread. So you can't really do a progression money line bets and things like it. Just is not the risk rewards not there for you. Yeah. So it's a bit too risky then. It is a bit too risky. Yeah, you might have like a the huge like minus five hundred spread and you know money line or something like that. It's just not worth it. So let's talk about the NFL. What are some of your thoughts on the Super Bowl, Bowl final and where do you see Tampa in the next season? Um, always been a Tom Brady fan. Just to, I like people like that. Just put in the work. And I saw a really cool thing on him one time, like a video series they did on a couple years ago, I think it was. And just to see like the kind of preparation that he puts into the game and the mentality that he has and the practice and the hours and the way that he takes care of himself and his body and and just elevates his teammates. He's such a tough competitor and and wants to win so bad and you obviously saw that in full force when the buccaneers made their super bowl run because he just elevated everybody's game and allowed them to all believe that they could win and that's what great leaders do and that's why he's just been so awesome and it's just amazing to see somebody his age continue to perform at such a high level year after year and he signed an extension, so he's going to be there at least 2021 this year, and then perhaps even next year. We'll see. But he wants to play till he's 45. So, wow, unheard of. <laughs> it, it really is. That's a insane physique to have in order to continue up to that age. And they also had the defense. So I I was all over Tampa Bay in the in the Super Bowl for sure. Oh wow. Okay. So just to wrap things up, uh, what's next for you? Are you working on any new systems? No, I'm kind of like the old San Antonio Spurs mindset. You know, it's just kind of a rinse and repeat, keep it simple and just keep doing the basics over and over again. So I've already tried a lot of different things and been trying to do a lot of different sports and create different systems. And at the end of the day, you find out what's working the best and you just stick with that and you just keep doing it over and over again exactly if it's working you don't have to change anything <laughs> absolutely you just 
just as you said, scale down, and then you saw the results. Yep. And by the way, really impressive this season. I, I think you're hitting over eight seventy-five percent. I saw uh, on the wall the other day. That depends. <laughs> I had a good few days in a row there. Yeah. <laughs> I could definitely tell you had good few days. Oh, uh, <laughs> listen. Um, Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And um, I wish you best of luck. You know, you're, you're doing the right thing and you're going in the right direction. So just continue that way. And I hope you, you're going to have a really wonderful year. Appreciate it, Jake. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to our Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.